The Secrets of Doctor Who is brought to you by the Star Quest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Doctor Who number 110. One day, I shall come back. That's it. I've been renewed. It's when a Time Lord's body wears out, he regenerates. I'm a Time Lord. I'm not a human being. I walk in eternity. Brave hearty. Change, my dear. And it seems on a moment too soon. Unlimited vice pudding! Position looks wearing a bit thin. Fantastic. I am Scottish. I can complain about things. Ta-da! She'll be fine. Hi, I'm Don Bettinelli, and you're listening to The Secrets of Doctor Who, where we discuss everything about the hit BBC series, Doctor Who. And today, we're discussing the 10th Doctor story, Gridlock. And joining me today on the panel are Jimmy Aiken. Hi, Jimmy. Howdy, Dom. And Father Corey Stika. Hi, Father Corey. How's it going, Dom? Good. So uh, we're going to be discussing this, uh, this episode, the David Tennant era 10th Doctor with Martha Jones. Uh, in just a second. But first, I want to uh, talk to you just for a minute about uh, other shows on SQPN that you might be interested in. Uh, a couple of shows that we've got coming up, uh, new ones that we're not quite ready to launch just yet, but they're in production. Uh, one that you might be, it's, it's sort of dark to who adjacent, uh, <laughs> shall we say, uh, Secrets of Firefly. We recently did an episode of Secrets in Movies and TV Shows where we talked about Firefly in the uh, in the broader sense of the whole uh, single season and plus movie of this uh, short-lived but much-beloved uh, sci-fi series. If you're not familiar with it, you should become familiar with it because uh, it, people are crazy about it, even though it, it only lasted for 13 episodes on TV. Uh, we're, we, we had so much fun with that podcast episode, and we had so much uh, response from people that we decided to expand it. Now we're going to do a limited-run series uh called Secrets of Firefly, where we're going to look at each episode on its own, plus the movie, plus maybe some ancillary materials like the comic books or other novels that came out afterwards, and maybe we'll wrap it all up with a uh, retrospective sort of uh, look back. But it's a, it's a limited shiny. run. Shiny. Yeah, very shiny. Mm. Uh, it'll be, and we'll, that'll be coming out soon. Um, I don't have an exact date for you, but keep an eye out for it. Uh, another one we've got coming very soon is uh, we're doing a show called Secrets of Technology, where we're going to talk about uh, tech news of the day, uh, the stuff that's relevant to us, uh, approaching it both a in a way that that average folks, you don't have to be a tech geek to, to understand what the issues at stake are in the news uh, and b from a perspective that gives a, a sort of a diversity of perspective. Most tech news has a particular uh reporting has a particular bent to it um san francisco new york um with a particular cultural uh look way of looking at things shall we say uh well we're going to be coming at it from a very particularly um not uh big city coastal uh inside the tech industry viewpoint uh we're, so we're you're moving out of boston uh well you know the I don't think of Boston as the big city. It's not, it's not Los Angeles, San Francisco, or New York. Uh, 
But uh, well, as speaking as someone from the Ozark Mountains, Boston is a big city. Yeah, and speaking <laughs> from someone from Montana, all that area north of about, say, like Virginia is all one big city. It's, so it's the yeah. megalopolis. I know. Uh, but I, I, I didn't even I mean, I years ago I was visiting a friend in New Jersey and we were going to drive to Boston. And this was my first time in in the area and it's i had always assumed i i know very little or knew very little geography above the mason dixon line uh-huh. and so i assumed that new york was north of boston because obviously new york is the farthest north city anybody would want to you know think of there's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. a little bit uh north of uh new york city but yeah but as far as this goes so uh, most tech news has a has a particular viewpoint. The tech news reporting has a particular viewpoint of a, a particular political background. Uh, you might say bias to it. We're going to come at it from a different uh, point of view to give to give a little bit of a diversity of opinion. Um, we're certainly coming at it from a Catholic viewpoint because that's what we are. Uh, and so we'll approach this from from those viewpoints. And and, and it's not going to be all tech news. We'll we'll do some uh, talk about cool stuff that we're working with gadgets or software. Other things that might be interesting to you. Um, and so that's coming up as well. In order to find out about these things when they when they launch, we'll, we'll try to announce them on the show. But just to be sure, you should be subscribed to our newsletter. Uh, if you go to sqpn.com and and subscribe to our SQPN Fan Club uh, newsletter, you'll get uh, occasionally, very occasionally, an email from us with, uh, with that information about, you know, especially about new shows that we're launching. So. Please do go go do that and keep an eye out for that. Uh, that's coming up. Excellent. And I'm very excited about that, as you may be able to tell. So today we're talking about uh, Gridlock, uh, which is an episode from the third season of New Who. It's the uh, what is it? The third episode of the mm-hmm. of the season uh, where of Martha Jones's season as Martha Jones is the companion to the 10th Doctor. And uh, just to give you a little uh, con- context of when this show broadcast, uh, April 14th, 2007. So uh, a little while ago. It's, it's funny how the... It's hard to believe. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> how, how long ago this was. Uh, don't try to figure out in your head, guys. Don't try to figure out how long ago, like compared to, say, the seventh doctor to the fourth doctor that was. Uh, when, you, when you look back and you're yeah, like, exactly. like oh, how many years? Oh, that's quite a long time. So uh, the the recap for this one is the 10th Doctor takes Martha Jones back to New Earth in the year five billion something or other, only to find that the entire city has become a deadly trap, uh, which is the the TV guide version of the recap. Uh, so to jump right into it, the Doctor it takes uh, Martha Jones back to New, 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 New York, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. On, uh, on, or, and I've heard it described as this is the the final episode of a kind of trilogy of of episodes that take place on this planet uh, or or have to do with the this time period in the in humanity at this time, because we had the first one, which was um, the end of the world, the end of the world. Right. Which was uh, Rose and the, the ninth doctor, uh, Christopher Eccleston, go, seeing uh, Earth destroyed. Uh, the end of the planet Earth, the first planet Earth, and uh, with a face, we met the face of Bo there. Then we had Utopia, which is where we were at the first time on this planet, and uh, we met the face of Bo again and the cat nun nurses. 
who were uh, harvesting people. There's also another one in kind of in the series where Lady Cassandra comes back. It's the one where she possesses uh, Rose's Rose. body for a while. Right. Oh, right. And th- is that on the same planet? That was this this one. That was this one. That, or not this episode, but that was that was uh, the Utopia? previous time at. Yes. Oh, oh yes. Okay. Yes. That was the same one. That's right. That's right. OK. Um, I think of those as two different episodes, but I guess maybe they're one because I think of right. the cat nuns experimenting on people. And then I think of Lady Cassandra. Right. Yeah, that's right. the same episode. And so now we're back to this planet again, which is because so we get to use all the sets. <laughs> exactly. And the makeup. Uh, it's like we get to bring yeah. up the cat people makeup. Uh, apparently, uh, the cats was playing in the West End so <laughs> or East End. Is it East End? Which is the, the, the Broadway? <laughs> Because in Boston, we had a West End. That's where my dad grew up. So maybe it's the East End. Oh, well, uh, I know they have East End, West Ends in London, but I don't know what goes on in them. OK, so the, whatever the Broadway of London is, uh, I've, I've now given up my Anglophile card. So they're in this. They've come into the city and now they're not in the big, shiny, pretty part of it that they were in before or the doctor was in before. Now they're in the under city where they arrive and it's rainy. It's dreary. They're in some back alley. Uh, where there it's called pharmacy town where there are street vendors hawking moods and uh what is it Mo- moods and emotions you could buy some yeah. forget or some sleep or happy 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 uh, yeah, but it's but it's all really run down and it's like paradise towers right right although i i, I do want to back up just a bit to the teaser open which where you have yeah. this this traffic nightmare um in new new york We're- and it, it's, it was giving me flashbacks to when I used to have to drive to my job in Boston every every day. Mm-hmm. That was uh, horrible. I can imagine this. I was living this. But the couple in this first vehicle that's getting destroyed, attacked by some unknown creature, some unknown foe. Um, did you they're did you cl- catch that? Clearly, it was, yeah. They're clearly based on the painting American Gothic. Yes. Right. OK. Yes. Although Just they have the British accents. Yeah. 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 Um, in, in fact, um, Almost everybody, except for Sally Clipso, which we'll get to in a few minutes, has a British accent in this new, 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 new York uh, uh, place, which is just it's kind of amusing to me. Um, why? Why New York and not Los Angeles or Chicago or London for that? Because matter? then they get the pun of new New York. OK, they don't they don't have to say new London or something. Along those lines. Also, I think New York is I mean, although Los Angeles and. Washington and Chicago and even Boston are major U.S. cities. New York is, especially for people internationally, the paradigmatic American city. Right. It's like for me, it's the farthest north as a southerner. It's the farthest north city there must be. (laughs) But for Europeans, it's like, okay, New York, that's the American city you think of. Right. Yes. I've I've been amused at times by uh, people coming from the Europe to visit Boston and saying, hey, you know, can we go to New York tonight? <laughs> like, because like, they still they look is, at the map and it's, you know, it is four hours away. <laughs> it's a four hour mm-hmm. drive away. Um, or we'll go to the the Grand Canyon this weekend. Uh, no, <laughs> I don't have a private plane. It's so, more uh, than four hours away. Yeah, much more. Uh, so I, I was I was by the way, I was uh, once uh, 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 I, so I do Morris dancing which is a form of British folk dance. And there was a group of Morris dancers from Hammersmith in London who were touring California. And uh, so my team got together with their team at a pub and um, they were amazed at the scope of America. 
because mm-hmm. they were used to um, like there being a pub on every corner. So with the previous team they were visiting, they had said, OK, can we go to a pub? And and the and they're thinking like there's going to be one within a block of here. Right. And the other team said, oh, yeah, sure. No problem. You can't miss it. You get on the freeway, you go 30 minutes, take that exit and you're right there. <laughs> and they were just stunned at the yeah. scope of all of this. So. So, yeah. yeah. Right. 30 minutes in, in Europe, you'd be in another country. Uh, so. My pro I, my problem with this episode. Okay, I hate starting these these discussions with my problem with the episode. <laughs> but I mean, let me just. There is much to enjoy about this, but let me throw yeah. out my my quibbles uh, on it. Is the complete absurdity of the idea of people living in their cars while commuting in gridlock um, for for years, for years, decades, over a yeah. decade. In fact, the 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 one. The two little ladies were in their car for 23 years. And as my wife points out to me, it's just an example of the literary style of called absurdism, which yeah. it takes an idea we, to the extreme s- to explore some other idea. We don't see that in Doctor Who ever. Uh, is that right? <laughs> Stephen Moffat. <laughs> right. Oh, I, or I last week, Paradise uh, Tower. Paradise Towers. Yeah, I didn't have a problem with it. It is absurdist, um, but that's kind of a staple in a lot of, I mean, Twilight Zone would do that. A lot of sci-fi mm-hmm. does that, where in order to get at some um, aspect of modern culture, mm-hmm. it's then taken to an absurd level as kind right. of a way of thinking through the implications. <clears throat> and this episode is essentially about exploring the anguish and absurdity that you would experience, Dom, driving into Boston every day. Right, right. Yeah. It, it, or and, that anyone in Los Angeles experiences every day. Yeah. And in fact, well, uh, that, that it, it, sometimes it seems like I've been driving for, for, for years and years. So I get that. Yeah. 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 I, you know, I, I've experienced both sides of it. I still, still just watching this episode and seeing all that traffic. I see, you know, I, I can't, I can't handle, you know, like four or five lanes all going the same direction, one level, much less 42 levels, 45 levels, whatever it was. Right. Just like, uh, uh-uh, that ain't happening. Yeah. We're Father Corey lives out in Montana. Uh, I'm not sure there are a hundred cars within, within 20 miles of you, Father Corey. Maybe, maybe that's, a, maybe I'm taking that to the extreme. Uh, yeah, but they, they all seem to be on uh, our Central Avenue or kind of our main north-south road here. <laughs> the exact moment I need to get on it. but At anyways. the traffic light. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so the doctors keep saying, he says to Martha, like, oh, okay, one more trip. One more trip for you, and then we're, and I'm taking you home. Um, that's it. We, he, he, he initially promised her one trip, and he took her to another time on Earth, and now he's stretching it to include another planet right. in the future. And he gives her an option, like, where do you want to go? And she says, I want to go to your home planet. I want to go to Gallifrey. Um, mm-hmm. And yep. and he's dancing around the 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 um, fact that Gallifrey, as far as he's concerned at this point, and then the audience, it has been destroyed in the Time War. It's, it's, it's gone. And he doesn't want to talk about it, doesn't want to tell her about it, per se. And so he kind of dances around. And he gives this description of Gallifrey. You know, the skies are burnt orange with the citadel enclosed. In a muddy glass dome, shining under the twin suns. Beyond that, the mountains go on forever. Slopes of deep red grass capped with snow. And in fact, we see some of this in later on uh, yeah. in the twelfth Doctor's time. They actually show it on screen. Did we ever and see? We've heard we've heard some of it before. Okay, that's my this question. Kind of new. Oh, okay, so my question was: is whether this is something we had in classic Who? Uh, 
Because we, because there have been stuff set on Gallifrey, but indoors, right? Right. The trial yeah, of like time, the invasion, Lord. the invasion of time, the trial, trial of time, Lord, things like that. We've only yeah. seen indoor Gallifrey up to this point, but we've had descriptions going back as far as at least the third Doctor's time of what it looks like outside. Okay. Yeah, and there was also you did see some outside epi- uh, scenes in the the five doctors, but that wasn't oh, part yeah. of Gallifrey proper. That was part of that the death time zone. zone, death zone. That's the word. Okay. So then we have um, the reintroduction of the face of Bo. He shows up again here with the lady with uh, the cat uh, lady, novice Haim. Novice Haim. That's right. I keep wanting to call it Cassandra, but that novice Haim, and. Um, the face, so the face of Bo is this interesting creature giant character. Face. Yeah, it's a giant face in a jar, and it's just it's a, what if a creature was just a face, and he's apparently billions of years old. And there's this fan theory, and I think we might have brought this up before. I think we talked about Utopia. Uh, I don't think it's a fan theory. I think it's I think it's a fact. It was explicit. established on it was, screen. Was it when was that established that that this is <clears throat> Captain Jack Harkness's uh, in the far he, future. Yeah, he said something. Yeah, he said something to the extent of um, he was walking out. I think I want to say was it the episode the where all the planets uh, Donna Noble episode where all the planets were brought together. As he's walking out, he says something to the extent of, "Yeah, on my home planet, I was known as the face of Bo." Yeah, what he says was he's what he says is that he was a poster boy for he was like recruiting for time agents. Yeah, and so he was a poster boy. Uh, from Boshan Province, the face of Bo, they used to call me. Right. Yep. Okay. Okay. That's right. Um. So it was explicit. Uh. I thought I I, I forgot that whole bit. And there was still a little deniability there, but unless they deny it to me, it's 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 established canon. Okay. And that's the last we saw of uh, Captain Jack, right? That we had we didn't see him. Mm, well, he's all over Torchwood. Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, but not in uh, not in the in Doctor Who Prime, shall we say? Um, and then we get this moment. One of the things about Captain Jack is yep. because of the what happened to him, where he absorbed TARDIS energies and the parting of the ways and returned to life after being killed. He's now unkillable. Right. And so he dies repeatedly and keeps coming back and it gets more painful each time he comes back. And the idea is in the future, he's somehow mutated into the face of Bo. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh... So that we we have the doctor and is you know t- is talking to Martha about you know bringing her to this uh the utopia and she and Martha realizes that he's taking to her taking her to a place that he's already taken Rose and we mm-hmm. we we saw in the Shakespeare code a moment where Martha's thinking that we're we're in this romantic situation and the doctor kind of says to her Oh, you know, you see, he's he's not uh, thinking romantically. Yep. He says Rose would know what to say at this moment. I mean, so, <laughs> the most insensitive thing you could say. Yeah. And and she, she right here, she kind of says almost to his face, but he doesn't re- recognize it. Or she says to his face, but he doesn't recognize it. Oh, rebound much? And yeah, you and, hear the word rebound. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and so she feels so she, she's really getting the sense that she's feeling something for the doctor. That he isn't feeling for her, and that that's I think this and, is what we've established for the third season. Yeah, and that he's kind of using her to comfort himself in the absence of Rose. Mm-hmm. Right, right. That's that is. I think that's that is going to be Martha Jones's uh, story arc, at least in this season. 
and I and I've said before, I think it doesn't do her justice. I think it was a mistake to go this direction with her. They should have because, you know, again, as we've talked about a lot, Doctor is my boyfriend and she can't compete with Rose. And it's just a mistake, which I think they go in the other direction, which is a good direction with Donna Noble. That, uh, exactly. Yeah, Donna Noble has no interest in the doctor romantically. Um, I, and I, I, I lo- don't mind the arc emotionally mm-hmm. of having the doctor because he did fall in love with Rose. And I don't mind seeing that. And then when obviously the companion has to leave, how do you deal with that? And exploring the rebound dimension, I think, is legitimate. What I would have done is found a better resolution or hope to find a better resolution because in the end, Martha Jones it leaves unsatisfied. Right. No, yep. She doesn't get to make peace with this aspect of her and the doctor's relationship. It's always something that kind of sticks in her craw. And so um, so I would have maybe gone in this direction, but then reverse direction and had the two of them establish, not go straight back into a romance, but had the two of them establish a, a friendship like the Don and Noble one. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, we we get a resolution from Arthur Jones in um, End of Time, where right before mm-hmm. the Doctor's regeneration. And we find out that she's now married to Mickey, which Mickey. actually I think that it's is good like, for pretty, both of them. Yeah, I thought that was pretty good resolution for. Her. So we're here in the, you know, the undercity and that and suddenly this this couple emerges from the. By the way, I, yeah. l- I like there being an undercity because yeah. I mean, there's you think about utopias. And there's, I mean, okay, New York has a Statue of Liberty, but it's also got other parts that aren't so nice. Slums, and that's yeah. that's yeah. realistic. And I right. like seeing that here. Uh, there, there is a bit of a plot hole, I think, or maybe I'm wrong, but there's a, where they, later on, we're told that um, one of these mood drugs called Bliss actually mutates mm-hmm. and kills everyone not in the, not on the motorway. Right, not uh, in the undercity. Undercity. No. They, say they, they say that they can drop the, they close the walkways in the, the motorway. Oh, yeah. okay. To the undercity. So, so that's they, what kept Pharmacy Town and everybody there, all the mood hawkers safe. Okay, yep. that's what was my question, because I, I, I guess I missed that distinction. Um, and so Martha gets kidnapped by this couple so they can go in the HOV lane, which is. I can completely sympathize with that. <laughs> you know, as someone who was driving alone in my car to work most days, uh, the ability to to put someone in the passenger seat, maybe not against their will. Uh, you, you, you didn't get a store mannequin? In, well, I was going to say some people done. have actually used store I, mannequins. Exactly. <laughs> we occasionally get news stories here in Boston where people have tried various things to, to fool the policeman standing at the entrance to the HOV lane. Never works. They always get caught. <laughs> um, well, the question is, how long does it go before they get caught? <laughs> right. Well, that's a good question. I always worry because when I have the kids in the car and they're kind of low down in the back, I'm waiting to get pulled over uh, <laughs> because I got the kids back there. Um, I they- like how they they say Martha's been carjacked because yes. they yes. reverse the meaning of carjacking that we're familiar with. Today, if someone gets carjacked, it means someone climbed into your car and forced you to go somewhere. Here, it's the people get out of their car and drag you into theirs right. so they can go somewhere. And in fact, uh, today, usually, if you're lucky, they carjacking means you get kicked out of your car and your car gets taken. Uh, yeah, exactly. So that's the reverse. The, the, like, where is everybody going? I mean, we get some explanations, but why 
why? Like, it, would, would, if you were really needed to get to 10 miles away, why don't you just walk? It would be faster than going, well, taking six years. Like, that, well, so they, yeah. Um, the, <laughs> the explanation they give is, for, we hear it a few times, is they're going out of the city, I guess, to the suburbs in hunting in, in search of jobs. Right. But they've heard that there are careers out there that uh, there are people hiring. And if they can get to those places, then they can establish a new life for themselves. So it's effectively like a pioneer wagon train. Sure. Right. If it, and, it, but if it is it, absurdist. You could walk there faster. Yeah. yeah. But they, for whatever reason, they don't realize that once you get on the motorway, you can't get off of it. But they know. Right. Yeah. I mean, you could abandon they, the they vehicle at, they, a lay, at a at a What do they call it? A layover. Lay by. Yeah. A lay on. I mean, you, you, you could mm-hmm. abandon your vehicle and just walk out. I don't know. I I mean, it, I'm, I'm trying to look the for the non absurd and the absurd story. I know. Um, I do like the design of the vehicles. They have the a they're they're hover buses, mm-hmm. and they have this VW microbus uh, aesthetic to them, uh, which yeah, yeah. which I I did like that 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 I found that pretty cool. Um, the doctor, it seemed to me, got very angry, almost too angry, or it wasn't explained in the story about Pharmacy Town. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. when I'm coming back, you're shut down. Like he was really mad. Uh, and I, I was wondering why, like, um, this is a classic thing on on Doctor Who and other sci-fi. Whenever you have drugs yeah, um, yeah. and recreational drugs, you have to somehow condemn them forcefully. Um, there is a famous Tom Baker episode where there was another. I think it was by Bob Holmes. It was a a sat another kind of satire where they had a whole spaceship full of people who were like drug zombies who were just <laughs> laying around not dealing with things that needed to be mm. dealt with. And and Tom Baker has to just like over the top, forcefully, angrily condemn this drug as the worst thing in the history of the universe. Right. Because it's a kid's show and you can't show drug use without forcefully condemning it. Right. Um, exactly. So, so we have the couple, are Milo and Cheen, uh, they're the classic... Uh, Sheen is pregnant and they want to go to a better life and hopefully they'll get to Brooklyn, new, 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 new Brooklyn uh, by the time the child is old enough to go to school. And and she and she tells Martha that, you you know, you can believe what I'm telling you. I'm wearing an honesty patch. I'm like, why yeah. would, who yeah. would wear an honesty patch? Like, for, hey, I'm so unreliable that, that I need well, to wear an honesty patch. I- I could imagine maybe I could imagine a controlling lover wanting you to wear an honesty patch. Oh my, that 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 turns Milo much darker than he was. <laughs> <laughs> <Doesn't> <laughs> that is a very dark turn to the story, because uh, otherwise Milo just seemed completely incompetent throughout this uh, at times. I like how Martha tells them, "You're you're idiots. So you you're carrying a baby and you're wearing this thing." And she rips exactly. the honesty patch off, of right? Her. Given which that, is another yeah. another let's take a dig at drugs. Exactly. Right. Given that Martha is a doctor in training, you know, yeah. that, that that that's how a doctor would react. To that All, sort of thing. Although, frankly, who knows? Maybe in this century, honesty is is a neo, part of neonate or prenatal care. Exactly. It's going to help the kid later. It yeah. Have well, nutrients or something to Martha help the kid. Know? Yeah. Hey, honesty is the best policy. So. Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, again, uh, 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 one more of these uh, and I'll, I'll let it go. Um, they're flying vehicles. <laughs> just 
fly over everything. Never mind. Okay. Never mind. Six years ago, 10 miles. Because they're sealed in the undercity. <laughs> right. Okay. Okay. Uh, so we find out it's uh, six years to go 10 miles on the fast lane, 12 years to go five miles. Uh, that's what we find out from, uh, Brannigan, uh, uh, uh Thomas Kincaid Brannigan, who's a cat Irish person <laughs> and his wife, Valerie, I, I have to say Brannigan is the high point of this episode for me. Oh, yeah, I really yeah. like Brannigan. He's a lot of fun. Yeah. Another, um, another, uh, actor you might, he, he's another actor you might recognize. You ever see the series father, Ted? Uh, I've seen it. Yeah, but I don't know it well. So, Father Ted was a, a, a kind of a, a British. I think it was. I think it's from Britain. Um, yeah, a series of basically misfit priests. Father mm-hmm. Ted is the you know kind of the, the the pastor of this parish. He was sent out there because he had a gambling problem. There's the old, basically senile, crotchety, doesn't give a rat's behind priest, and then there's a young priest who's yeah, he's got some interesting ideas. Same actor. <laughs> Uh, the the, okay. the character's name is uh, Father Dougal McGuire. It was played by Ardle O'Hanlon. Ardle is the O'Hanlon. The, okay. the same actor who plays Hannigan or Brannigan. Okay. Brannigan. 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 Oh, interesting. Oh, Didn't the, know that. Wouldn't have recognized him under the very no. surprisingly realistic cat. Makeup. Yeah, they did a good job <laughs> on the cat makeup in this. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, and uh, especially with the children. Oh <laughs> yeah, yeah, really realistic there. Well, I love the I love the. Uh, the 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 line as the doctor's leaping from their car, he says to Valerie, uh, you know, because he's leaping into the pollution into this pit, which is like a bottomless pit, essentially. If it's any consolation to you right now, I'm having kittens, he says. Yeah, <laughs> is, I, I love how even though Brannigan, a cat man, is married to a human woman, their children are a litter of literal kittens. kittens. <laughs> yes. I mean, just they picked them up at. At a pet store or something. Yes. yes. <laughs> don't look, kids. Uh, don't the, at what's the bad things. Um, five billion years in the future, and they still have polluting cars. Uh, just gonna say that yeah. right now. Um, yeah. And it, it, this is this is one of those episodes you need to use the MST three mantra, uh, MST three K mantra. It's just a show. I should really just relax. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay. Well, you know the the, the that's uh, you know. Yes, I will. I will accept that and skip over my next comment about that. Then uh, what if the traffic jam never stops? Uh, what if there's nothing but the motorway and cars going round and round forever? I mean, that's Martha kind of throws it out there. And it's it's one of the uh, trope is it has a negative connotation, but it's not a bad thing in this case. But it's one of the mm-hmm. standard features of a story like this is someone from the outside who comes in to point out the absurdity of of yeah. the situation to the people in it. Sure. Like. Because you're the frog, you've been boiled slowly and you don't realize it. Exactly. Exactly. And so that's what she she, pre- she presents to Milo and Sheen. Like, what if this, because like, they go in the fast lane, but all the exits are closed and they can't get off. And so they keep going round and round, even in the fast lane. And and that's what she says. Like, what if, what if there, what if you never can get off? What if it's uh, a Sisyphean task you've been given yeah. uh, to go round and round? And thus we hit the the ultimate extension of an endless, literally endless traffic jam. Yeah. Yes. Right. Uh, endless gridlock in in the in the, use the title, and uh, so they uh, they when the so then we encounter on the bottom of the so the the fast lane is the lowermost level. Fewest people go down there, and while they're down there. Um, they start to hear these noises, and, and, and you're not allowed to go to the fast lane unless you have three adults on board, right? Which and is, your, and your car will not take you there because it's an automated system, right? Right, um, and that's why they kidnapped Martha. And 
So while they're down there, they're here. They're, the, the gas is so thick, they can't see out, but they're hearing these noises and Milo's in denial. That's just the air vents. <laughs> Martha yeah. points out if there were working air vents, would there be this much uh, pollution out there? Um, and they, they, they're, they're starting to encounter these creatures. Uh, they, they can't see them yet. Um, and then there comes this point where it's a very surreal moment where everyone starts singing the old rugged cross. It's and, yeah. and I'm like, what's going on here? Even Martha starts crying. And I'm like, what's this, going this, on? So, so Sally, uh, Calypso or whatever her name is, the holographic traffic narrator like on a radio station except with video yeah um i mean we have traffic stations in big cities and yes as someone who comes from a small town i didn't know that yeah. but they do <laughs> so if you're in a traffic if you're stuck in traffic you can tune in a big city to the local traffic station and they will talk about what the traffic is doing and what your best options are and um and and they'll do little other things to distract you from the traffic. And that's essentially Sally Calypso's job. She is a holographic traffic analyst to and she's mm-hmm. always giving people bad news, but giving it to them in a way that tries to keep their spirits up. And she's expressing sympathy for them. And then at this one moment in the day, she has the daily meditation. And it turns out to be the hymn, The Old Rugged Cross. And this is not dissimilar to things that, and I don't know how they do these things on British radio and television, but here in America, they would have like, back in the day, as part of public service announcements, they they might have a daily reflection of a kind of meditative, maybe even prayerful nature. And so- I thought I thought the use of the old rugged cross in this was awesome. Yeah, I I, I loved having. Okay, this is the thing that binds these people together in their misery of this never-ending traffic jam. This hymn, which is an explicitly Christian hymn, Mm -hmm. gives them hope, and it's very moving. And even Martha starts to be moved by it, and I think she even starts to mouth parts of the words. Yeah. Well, it's it's interesting. You kind of mentioned those like those daily devotions. They actually do that on the radio station here. Now, of course, Malta is a small town. We have one rate, one locally owned radio station um, and the ministerial association that I'm a part of does a daily devotion. So like mm-hmm. last week, as we recorded, this was my turn. So on you know Monday through Friday mornings at you know quarter to seven. We would have this devotion played or read. I sometimes I'll go into the radio station, actually read it on the air. But um, yeah, so it's still something that's done on occasion. It's not mm-hmm. common. You know, you're definitely not going to find it on your your typical corporate multi-station right. radio station. Not in the big cities. Yeah. yeah. Well, when you go in next time, you should sing the old rugged cross as an in joke for all of the fans <laughs> of Secrets of Doctor Who who live in Malta, Montana. So myself. <laughs> in joke for yourself it always works for me yeah, exactly. I, I laugh at my own jokes so the, yeah. if, in case you're not familiar the old rugged cross is, a, is an American hymn it was, it was written by uh, American uh, evangelist George Bernard in 1912 and mm-hmm. it's, it's been very popular here uh, ever since and uh, recorded I, I, by everybody and his brother yeah. it seems I'm, like I'm just amazed that and delighted that in modern secular Britain this is one of the differences between the way religion gets handled in British television and American television 
in American television, you wouldn't have a Christian hymn casually dropped into an episode in the way this is. Right. Um, But here you do. And I'm delighted. I mean, I I don't know what Russell T. Davies' religion is. Uh, I know he's not on board with traditional Christian values. Right. Um, But uh, for them to include this dramatically and make it work and have it be this beautiful moment, I got that. They deserve props for that including Russell, Russell T Davies deserves props and your explanation of like the, as a, the daily devotion as a, as part of the way of uh, of uh, helping people cope you know in this traffic jam uh, you know and keeping them placated and once if you in one sense um, is is that's a good good explanation of why it was included uh, in the in the plot line of the story itself and and it, I mean it is you know it is kind of a, a nice moment um, to, to in- include this and the hymn that's at the end. And we'll talk about that when we get to the end, that there's a second hymn that's sung at yep. the end of the episode. Um, mm-hmm. So we, so we have the old, old rugged cross and the lyrics are, are interesting, by the way, uh, just the, 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 the bit we hear on the hill far away stood an old rugged cross, the emblem of suffering and shame. And I love that old cross where the dearest and best for a world of lost sinners was slain. So I'll cherish the old rugged cross till my trophies at last I lay down. I will cling to the old rugged cross and exchange it someday for a crown. I mean, it doesn't get more explicitly Christian than that. Um, mm-hmm. And it might be part of the fact. Well, that, you that, could mention the word Jesus, well, but well, <laughs> uh, so yeah, it could, but, I, I probably but should have. Figuratively, that, yeah. it doesn't get any more explicit than that. Right. Um, and it, and it, it probably has something to do with the fact that there is in British culture, maybe more so than American culture, a, 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 civic religion that christianity mm-hmm. is still alive uh even among those who don't there's practice a, yeah there's a church of england right right and yeah. and it has well, it, some it, bearing in, in daily life even for those who don't profess sort it. of the sort of the paradox is, is that americans tend to be much more actively religious right and these days, unfortunately, in England, most most Britons tend to be less religious, but they're more relaxed about it in their media. Whereas Americans who take their religion much more seriously are more uptight about it right. in their religions. And I, I suspect that there's a kind of I, – I, I'm not quite sure how to articulate the psychology of it, but I think precisely because we're more serious about religion, we're more uptight about right. how it's presented in media. Whereas in Britain, because they're more relaxed, they're about religion. They're more relaxed about how it gets presented in media. Yeah, that makes sense. That 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 comes across. Uh, so the doctor, as I mentioned before, he's going to go find Martha uh, in 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 the, uh, the the traffic jam, and he's going to start hopping from car to car. He takes off his trench coat um, in Brannigan's car, uh, presumably because it's impeding him somehow, uh, and says, uh, "Take care of that coat. I'll come back for that." Um, and he says, uh, I love that coat. Janis Joplin gave it to me. And yeah. A, 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 name uh, drop. Yeah, name drop. Uh, Janis the Joplin. The wasn't the first to do that? <laughs> the, he was the, um, no, she, she, Janis Joplin was a famous American uh, rock star, singer, the s- singer yeah. 60s and 70s, who died that tragically. Everyone in the year 5 billion is going to remember. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of the year 5 billion that uh, seems like it lasted. Um, we find out that the creature at the bottom of the of the motorway are right, giant way, crabs. Like the, yeah, I like though. First, on his way down, we get to the bottom layer. Uh, we get this montage of the doctor 
briefly hopping into a bunch of different people's cars right and we get to see what they're all doing and what the what kind of different lives they're leading and it's just a fun and, sequence and wearing and not wearing and yeah <laughs> yes yeah, i mean there was uh there is one where they're a little scantily clad but well, we don't really see anything well, I but love, others I, love... I mean like there's there's the man who's preternaturally albino yeah. there's a man who's preternaturally red there's a businessman with a classic city bowler um, <laughs> yes. well i love where the doctor you know he started out oh you know was it a motorway customer service or something like that or customer survey inspection and, and, and by the time he got to the bottom he says ah forget it <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's uh uh the uh, asian girls uh two girls who are asian uh, there was uh, uh yeah the nudists <laughs> and so on and so forth uh yeah until he got to the the gent at the bottom which I I'd seen somewhere that it was a, a reference to uh, a character. I'm trying to think here. Um, oh, sorry, I, I should have made note, and I, I thought I was going to. It's modeled after the character Max Normal uh, from hmm. Judge Dread comics. Oh, uh, okay, so interesting. The, yeah, the uh, I've read some Judge Dread. I haven't read Max Normal, but yeah. he, I took him as the just the standard city businessman in england very proper thus the city means london proper yep and and it's a financial center and so there's a kind of uniform that's classically associated for businessmen going there including not just the suit but also a bowler hat Mm. and like an umbrella right uh and so uh you know at the bottom as the doctors now that's the the last level before the fast lane at the bottom of the the motorway um, we find out that he, he he was manages to use the sonic and whatever to turn on the air vents to suck up the the the, uh, the exhaust and see what's down there and it turns out to be hundreds of giant crabs click, 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 really giant boss. crabs yeah like big enough to like snap. their claws are so huge that a a uh, 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 one of the hover cars, one of the you know mini buses, is tiny compared to one of their claws. Right, so the claws are like the size of a house. I mean, it's just it's, they're huge. Bigger. And he he yeah. says uh, they're uh, they're macra. Okay, so uh, this is a classic Who reference. So I, I defer to you guys to to, to uh, enlighten me as to what are the macra. So the macra are a crab monster that dates from the time of Patrick Troughton's second yep. doctor. They are they were originally seen obviously then in black and white in a series called The Macra Terror. Yep. And um that is a series that exists only in fragments. Yep. Um although not so for long. It, Although not, not for long, for long. Uh, it was just a, it was announced again just before we recorded this, but it still hasn't been released when you listen to it, that they're redoing it in animation style like they did with the power of the Daleks and uh, Shada and going to be re-releasing it with the original audio uh, in March is the date, at least as we record this. Now, it might slip between when you hear it or not. And of course, it might mm-hmm. be the kind of thing too where it releases in March in Great Britain and not till like Christmas time here in the States. So. But either way, we'll get to see the the Makra in their original form before they became giant car eating crabs. Yeah. And also they were intelligent before, which they allude to in this episode. They never mentioned the Patrick Troughton episode, but the doctor does mention they used to be empire builders. And the businessman says, well, they don't look like they're building an empire now. And he says, yeah, it's been billions of years. They must have devolved into just being brutes. 
Mm-hmm. Right. That's which is I mean, given the time span, that's entirely possible that they could devolve uh, that. And they, they, the original macro, they, they used humans as sort of cattle, right? Is that what it was? They were the, the humans mined gas, natural gas that the oh, macro okay. ate. So of course, you know, the, the pollutants from the car would be perfect for them. Yeah. Uh, and by the way, the you can uh, I mean, not only can you read a novelization of the Macro Terror, but you could also uh, the audio does exist and you can watch it or listen to it in audiobook form now if you don't want to wait for the animation. Once the animation comes out and as soon as we can have uh, copies of it here in our American hands, we will yep. be doing it here on Secrets of Doctor Who because it'll be some new who ish new ish who yeah <laughs> that uh that we get to do before the next season comes out exactly yes, that'll be good yes we're looking for i'm looking forward to that one um it's interesting that they decide to they decided to throw them in here i mean it's that it's sort of a it seems kind of random uh a, a random inclusion of of these classic uh who villains in a way that doesn't match what they were but exactly. that, i just thought, thought it was interesting um you have the gas tie-in and yeah, they needed a, and they wanted a monster for this to create drama and threat. So okay. let's use one from the past. Yeah, that and that it's a good. I like when they do that. It creates a a world that uh, that that feels larger. Mm-hmm. So uh, we have uh, um, novice Haim shows up again. She's uh, the the gun wielding cat nun, <laughs> <laughs> which I just love that. Um, who. But just as the doctor's about to, you know, t- he's at the bottom of about to to, to head down to get uh, Martha Jones. Martha. Uh, he's he, uh, novice Haim abducts him using a teleport device to take him to the face of Bo. Uh, they they arrive in the upper city, which is in ruins uh, there. And yeah, obviously, and, a, the do- and, the, and the doctor immediately says, go get Martha. Yes. Yeah. And which would end the plot right there. Well, it wouldn't really, but it would derail one of the things they're holding back. Yep. And so, of course, convenience, lazy plotting. I only had the power for one trip. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Well, well get some more, he then says, <laughs> which is the uh, exactly what you would say. She Recharge it. Of, she, she ran out of double A's. She doesn't have any more. <laughs> so. Uh, we're in this the Senate chamber where uh, there are skeletons everywhere in all the seats. People apparently died uh, where they were sitting. Uh, Twenty four years ago, yeah, everyone died of bliss, uh, as, as mm. the uh, as they say. Very interesting uh, symbolism there. They, they, they bliss was one of the mood mood altering drugs, and it carried uh, a a, a uh, super super uh, virus. Yeah, a mutated super virus. That wiped out everyone within the matter of minutes, and were only saved by a last minute closing the, as we said before, the the access to the undercity, and that saved the people in the undercity. Right. Yeah. So even so, it's actually for their own good that the people are stuck in this endless traffic jam, which casts a new light on trying to keep their moods up, you know, yeah. and keep their morale up. It's because we're actually we are trying to help them. We're not trying to manipulate them. We're trying to keep them alive. And that's and and keep them as happy as can be in that situation. Well, it kind that's, of, uh, yeah. that was interesting, though, the way the, the the nurse put it, where it was, you know, we didn't condemn them. We didn't you know, we aren't condemning them to this. We saved them. Yeah. You know, that that, that that's language yeah. of salvation. I, I kind of had a problem with that, which is it. it I mean, it's more of a worldview problem, not so much with the plotting, but a, a, a worldview which says 
we save people by deceiving them. Like they're too, they're too mm-hmm. stupid to understand what needs to be done to, to not die. So we save them by, by, by defeating this line and, and keeping them in the dark, uh, literally, uh, and, mm-hmm. and telling them lies. And, and that's, you know, for any type of government and essentially Bo, the face of Bo has become their government or their ruler. There's, uh, because he controls their, their, their lives. Uh, with with novice Haim as the executive branch, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Uh, that that that's a that's a problematic attitude about things, and uh, they didn't really explore that. I, 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 that might have been an interesting place to go with it if they had the time. But the, the idea that you know we we did it for your own good. I would have liked to have seen some of the people who had been stuck on the motorway for decades kind of reject that. Going, uh, well, it would have been nice to, for me to have had that that opportunity. Exactly. Um, maybe you could have just let me hang out in the undercity instead of in this cramped car for 20 years. Uh, so it's an interesting perspective. Um, I also, and this I did not have a problem with. They said, so Haim says that the city like died in seven minutes and the last act of the Senate was to declare this this the planet unsafe, thus triggering an automatic hundred year quarantine. Mm-hmm. Right. Which is why they can't just because the doctor makes the point. There are other planets out there. Why don't you appeal to them? And the answer is we're under quarantine. And that actually makes sense. Right. Even the fact that now the the virus has died. So it's actually safe. You could you can imagine saying a, a health organization saying, I'm sorry, once you've had a planet killing disaster, we're just not going. Even if you think it's safe, we're not going in for 100 years. Right. 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 And of course, they don't have a Senate to overrule the automatic quarantine either. If they would say, OK, if, right. if, if your Senate votes that, yes, this this virus is dead, it's safe to come back. That's fine. They don't have a Senate to do that. So the quarantine that's is true. still in place. Right. Uh, there is an interesting moment where uh, where Martha with Milo and Gina or are, are, she thinks, you know, she's about to die. They're they're, they're trying to evade the 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 macro by uh, Run silent, run deep uh, yep. strategy where they turn everything yeah. off. Um, and facing death, she realizes that no one in her life knows where she is. She doesn't know. She doesn't know where she is. Yep. or And she doesn't even know who the doctor is. And yet she's run off with him. And she's come to this realization, like, what am I doing here? Yeah, Which is an nice. interesting character moment. Yeah, it is nice. to Very much a, a parallel with Rose, because Rose went through much the same thing in the, the second episode, the episode at the end of the earth. You know, the same kind of thing of, you know. Uh, my mom doesn't know where I'm at, and I don't know who this guy is. I just ran off with him, and that kind of stuff. Right. It, there's that that it it's. I think it's a necessary moment for a character to to go through, a, a companion to go through, to kind of say, "Wait a minute, what am I doing? This charismatic individual has dropped into my life and taken me away from everything and put my life in danger." Because that's that's what the audience is thinking. Like, like I get the attraction, <laughs> but wow. Yeah, it it is nice. It's psychologically realistic. Unfortunately, they undermine it <clears throat> a bit because Martha then decides she has faith in the doctor. Right. And she tells Milo and Sheen, uh, you've got your faith and your songs and your hymns. And what I've got is the doctor. Mm. And this is actually a theme that we've had in Doctor Who for a while of faith in the doctor, yep. almost in a religious sense. Uh, there was a famous story in Sylvester McCoy's time right. where in order to defeat an enemy, he had to crush the faith that his companion Ace had in him. 
and um and that's the only way to defeat the enemy is to crush ace's faith yep. in yep. him and it was very disturbing to see that um personally i don't i mean i understand the doctor is our protagonist he's our hero character he's in some ways a christ figure but this is it, this is I, I don't like it when they start getting explicit about faith in the doctor as if it's a religious thing. Right. Right. Yeah, that is uncomfortable. And because what happens is, is then we have to uh, discount the importance of the of, of, of people's actual faith, their Christian yep, faith, yeah. or make it equ equate it somehow to, to the faith in the doctor. And that's and the, and they also don't set it up right because they've just had Martha saying, "I don't know anything about this guy." Well, then why do you have faith in him? <laughs> right, right. Because she, she has he's got to. a cool police box, and he's yeah. cute. Mm, you know, I hate to say it, but that's how, kind of how she comes across. Yeah, exactly. Uh, um, so the we we lead up to this moment. The 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 face of Bo has to sacrifice his life, uh, in the to 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 save the people of the motorway to get the. The doors open so the, the people can escape out of the motorway into the into the fresh air. Um, and there's this prophecy that the, at the end of his life of billions of years, the face of Bo has one final secret to reveal to the traveler, which, of course, is the doctor. And the doctor's really trying to keep this prophecy from being fulfilled. Right. He doesn't want him to, to tell him this secret. Uh, maybe because he's in denial and doesn't want the face of Bo to die, mm -hmm. uh, or maybe he, he doesn't, he's afraid of what it's, what the prophecy says. Uh, but the prophecy is you are not alone. Um, yeah. and we're immediately supposed to, uh, take that as the, he's not the last time Lord. In fact, that's how yep. I took it when I first heard, heard yep. this. And that's what it means. Yeah. I mean, although you, there, you could say you're not alone. There are people who love you and care for you. I mean, that. Well, and quash that with the scene with Martha about, oh, he, he means yeah. that I was here. No, sorry. That's you not got me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I got to say, David Tennant does a really good job with delivering that line because he's a jerk. Well, right. I mean, he could be he could have delivered it as as a jerk, but he he kind of has that facial expression where I'm sorry that, that that's very nice of you, but that's not what he meant. You, I don't think that's what he means. Right. Whereas, like, I can just imagine Colin Baker delivering it as, no, don't be silly, yeah. you, you silly girl. Yeah. <laughs> that would be I, how, how he delivered it. I, yeah, I, I would, it, it comes across, though, as you're not that special. Yep. And no matter how he says the line, I, and so to me, the, just on the script level, the line makes him look like a jerk. Which is okay. The doctor can be a jerk. Yeah. Um, but if I had been in that situation, I would have said maybe. <laughs> right, right. Um, I do like so, where Martha basically at that point basically just grabs a chair and says, okay, I'm not leaving until you talk to me like an adult. Yeah. This yes. is, I love the, I love that sequence because he's saying, okay, let's go. And she grabs a chair and sits down and he says, you're staying. And he's kind of like threatening to leave her here. Yeah. Right. On this trip that he's agreed to take her on and she's and she's puts you know smashes back at him and says yes until you talk to me properly right <laughs> right because he and, has been even the last like two or three episodes has been very kind of cavalier with her just kind of mm -hmm. going along yeah. and, and and leaving her in the dark about things and and even he has admitted that in this episode that he uh, earlier he was talking about how he was showing off to martha and he even lied to her 
about Gallifrey. And so he now sits down. And as we begin to pull back the camera from them, he starts to tell her the story of the time war and thus really talk to her honestly about what's important to him. Uh, and then as the as the episode ends, we have uh, the, the sunset over the the upper city of New 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 York and the uh, all of the the cars from the motorway flying through the air to the city that is now alive again. And we hear the singing of this choir somewhere singing um, this other hymn, another Christian hymn, the two in this episode, uh, Abide With Me, which is another beautiful. Uh, I mean, I it's I what I'm. I don't know if it's one of my favorites, but it's one I really enjoy, uh, like in, in itself. Um, uh, this one is by a Scottish Anglican, Henry Francis Light. And uh, this is a much older. It's from the 19, early 19th century hmm. or mid 19th century, I guess. Uh, written by Light as he was dying from tuberculosis. Ooh. Is, um, it gives, it gives a, an, an interesting uh, uh, perspective on this hymn when you know that. Mm-hmm. So it's... Uh, it alludes to ab- abide, abide with me alludes to Luke 24, 29, abide with us for it is toward evening and the day is far spent. Um, mm-hmm. So the, that is the Emmaus the, road encounter, the yep. Emmaus road encounter. And then uh, the, the penultimate verse is uh, a reference to first Corinthians 15. Oh, death, where's thy sting? Oh, grave, where's thy victory? So yes. it, it's a, it's a hopeful, hopeful in the face of tragedy and death, which is yep. how this episode ends. I mean, there was tragedy and death in this city. Uh, but there's hope for the in a in a future. It's a little bit of a secular hope, I guess. But we'll take it where we can get, we can get exactly references. You can operate on more than one level, and we also have abide with me now, Martha. Now that Martha and the doctor have learned to be honest with each other, they can abide together. That's true. That is another level in which to take that. Yes. Uh, so um, that's what I have for notes. Uh, I'm just going to turn it over to you, Father Corey. Do you have any uh, other points you'd like to bring up? Just uh, got a kick out of some of the terms they used because they talked about, you know, very British terms. They talked about being on a motorway. Yeah. Yes. You know, here in the States, we would say expressway or freeway or tollway or interstate. Of course, you know, because our, our highway, yeah, yeah, highway, highway. You know, interstate yeah. systems, what we call it. And then they used uh, uh, Brannigan picked up the doctor at a layby. We would call that, you know, like a, a shoulder or a pull out or something like that. Right. You know? So right. It's just, I just kind of got a kick out of that. Even a rest stop. Yeah. 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 Uh, uh, so Jimmy, do you have anything left? Uh, on only, other note I ha- only other note I had was on uh, Brannigan and his interaction with the Cassini sisters. Um, the Cassini mm. sisters are a pair of old ladies, one of whom is a motor spotter. So she's the equivalent of a train spotter or a plane spotter. And she Mm -hmm. has detailed records of all of the uh, cars that are that have been sighted in the motorway going back years and years and years. So she provides a crucial function in the plot of providing information about how uh, how the motorway works. Like when the doctor presses her, she tries to avoid admitting no one has ever, n- neither she nor her other uh, motor spotter buddies have ever seen a police car. Yep. Right. And and that's part of the evidence that the police are not going to come help you. Um, but she provides, she has also helps the doctor find out the identity of the car that Martha is in. And so she's got an important um, role in the plot. She and 
the other Cassini sister are on Brannigan's friend list. You need to have someone <laughs> yep. on your friend list in order to call them car to car. Um, and which is actually kind of similar. I mean, you, if you want to, if you're driving today and you want to call someone on your hands-free phone in your car, <laughs> um, then, uh, then you need to have their phone number. That's um, true. so, so that's, that's pretty realistic, but he's got them listed in his contacts as the Cassini sisters. Right. And when he gets through to them, it, the first sister we talk to makes it clear, you know, we're not really sisters. We're married. Right. And so this is an early, this was before uh, gay marriage was legal in Britain. Yep. And so this is, you know, some of the Russell T. Davies and his politics peeking through into the show, but it's handled very lightly. And um, and Brannigan's response is, oh, you with that new fashion talk, you know, I'm an old cat. Right. And and we've got the play on words like cat being being an old slang word for like a hipster. Yeah. Um, I'm an old fashioned cat. And I'm given that he's Irish, I'm surprised he didn't say I'm an old fashioned cat lick. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been funny. Uh okay, great. Uh it, so that's I think that's all we have for this episode then. Um just I wanna finish up by saying asking folks to remember to like the secrets of doctor who facebook page we have a facebook page and to like this episode when it gets posted there when you when you see it there uh and to retweet it on twitter if you're on twitter as well that helps to get the message out about this show um to make sure you leave comments if you have any comments or feedback we love to read your feedback in the show to if you're not subscribed, if you're just listening to this uh, by by happen chance, ha happenstance, um, happen chance, I love that. What great Kang slang! <laughs> oh gosh! <laughs> <laughs> oh yes, the Kangs. Uh, subscribe it, uh, to it in iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, your favorite podcast app, or on YouTube. Where if you subscribe there, make sure you hit the bell to to get notifications when we post a new episode. And above all, please share the podcast with your friends to help us grow our community reach more listeners also if you can go and give us a review on itunes or any of the other of the uh, podcast directories that helps a lot um we've got some nice reviews there in the past uh, we haven't had any recently so we'd love to get some more and keep that going so that it stays in people's notice that's it from and us it's, it's really yep. it's really important that you share the podcast now that the new season is over yes. because uh you know the new season brought a new attention to the program doctor who and thus to the podcast now we're going into the long dark between seasons we're still going to be here uh helping you enjoy episodes uh from the past and things interesting things to learn and think about doctor who but uh we it's going to be harder for us to attract new people to listen without your help so we really need your help especially now that we're between seasons definitely that's that's true so uh, let us know what you thought of this 10th Doctor story, Gridlock. And you can do that by going to sqpn.com, sqpn.com, just to slow that down a bit, or to the, our Secrets of Doctor Who Facebook page and leave us some feedback or send an email to Who at sqpn.com. And you can find links to our personal social media and, we and websites on the show notes on our website. We'll be back next time when we'll be discussing the first Doctor story, or a, a story of the first Doctor, called The Censorites. Uh, until Ooh. then, Father Corey Stika, thank you for joining me in sharing The Secrets of Doctor Who. Yeah, glad to be here, and thanks, Dom. And Jimmy Aiken, thank you as well. 
And I'm sending my return thanks to you telepathically the way Susan gets to in the Sensor Eyes. <laughs> <laughs> and once again, I'm Don Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to The Secrets of Doctor Who on StarQuest. And remember, the weather is at 36 degrees and it's blue skies all the way home. This is Sally Calypso signing off. Missing you already. <laughs>